Hello, welcome to Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, back to uh, the two-man pod today. Uh, it's, it's been a while since just the, the two of us, uh, but uh, how you doing? Doing great. You know, c- camps opened this week, which is, you know, always fun. So we're starting to get actually a little bit of tangible news, which I know we'll, we'll get into. Uh, we, we're still knocking on wood. Hopefully, hopefully we get through unscathed on the injury front and we don't have a lot of scares over these next couple weeks. But we didn't have this last year at all. So it's nice to have, you know, beat, re- beat reporters uh, actually telling us what's going on in these practices. Um, and then, we're, you know, in a couple weeks, we'll have, you know, some actual preseason football to play some DFS on and, uh, you know, kind of watch to kind of satiate our, our our withdrawal that we've had you know since the Super Bowl but it's an exciting time it's really this is like officially it's here now yeah I said like a couple weeks ago like the the time that the the preseason books come out that oh, that we're you know we're focusing on putting all that together that's when it feels like football is starting but like the past couple days on uh, especially you know on Twitter as training camps open uh they they Football is actually back because there are people on the field doing <laughs> football things. So uh, we're seeing that. Uh, but uh, before we you know, focus on what's going on on, on the field, uh, so Rich and I are just going to spend the, the next hour uh, getting out uh, every complaint we have about uh, any organization we've ever worked for doing the, the Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we are going to talk about the Packers because um, – this is a big thing. We'll we'll do a little bit. So there's going to be some fantasy focus for uh, this this show today. Rich, uh, of course, is here, like the the best in the business for the fantasy. Our fantasy package at Chart Football Analysis uh, is now out with the the early bird uh, pricing. We can get uh, Rich's rankings that have just been updated on actually behind the paywall now for. Uh, we're heading into the season. You know, if you get the fantasy package, you're getting uh, the worksheet uh, during the regular season, all of Rich's content during the season. There's still going to be some free stuff during the off season, but we're starting to transition now to uh, if uh, you want to read Rich, which you should, uh, you're going to need to sign up for this fantasy package. So uh, as we get to the, the Packers and, you know, so Aaron Rodgers uh, is going to be back. I mean, kind of how we talked about it earlier is when you were looking at this offense, you didn't really change much with Rodgers. We kind of figured Rodgers would be there because there really wasn't another option. Uh, they didn't, Packers didn't really seem too open to trading him because he also is Aaron Rodgers. That would have taken a, a lot of effort. Um, also, Rodgers couldn't really hold out unless he retired, which he did say during his press conference that he did consider uh, for a little bit. But with you know the, the fines in uh, the new CBA, you can't take them back. So Rodgers would have lost you know, a lot of money by holding out. So uh, he comes back. Uh, that is, you know, obviously a, a big boon for the Packers offense, which now does not have to start Jordan Love, which I think everyone <laughs> probably outside of Jordan Love is happy about. Um, so he might be too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. There's, there's no, uh, there's no guarantee there. You, we never know what's what's going on. The longer on in, he can't be exposed. Monologue. The longer he can't be exposed, he might want to just keep keep holding that clipboard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a good gig, man. And also to get like a, a first round salary uh, while doing that is is not bad. Uh, so, so as as we look going into uh, what we're looking at for this Packers offense now with Rodgers, you when we're you know looking at your rankings had Devontae Adams as wide receiver one. 
uh, his whole time, he's, he's still there for you. You were, I think, one of the few people who had the preseason last year had Devontae Adams, a wide receiver one. So it, now that we kind of know what pieces are in place for the Packers, including Randall Cobb, I guess, um, <laughs> no, what, uh, how, how are you uh, looking at uh, the Packers offense and really what are your expectations? Yeah, the, the Packers are an interesting, you know, case overall. Uh, first of all, if you watched the press conference yesterday, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to make a prototypical NFL GM because he just wants to hire all his buddies. Uh, that's the NFL's way of life, you know, just hire your friends. That's how these guys have been getting jobs for the last, you know, uh, forever in the NFL. <laughs> they just keep keep hiring this, their buddies. Uh, so he'll fit right in. But, you know, the Packers, first of all, from like a top-down perspective, are an intriguing team to look at just because – even for as decorated of a career Aaron Rodgers has had, and it's been amazing, their production last year was just absolutely insane. And no, we, know, we already know that, that we've railed on this about the, the COVID impact last year and the penalty impact and how everybody's scoring was up. But the Packers last year, uh, they scored on 53.7% of their drives. It was the seventh highest rate uh, in NFL history. They scored a touchdown on 43% of their drives. They were just the third team ever to score a touchdown on over 40% of their possessions. Uh, the last two teams to do that uh, were the 27 New England Patriots uh, and the t- 2019 Kansas City Chiefs. Those teams came back and scored 26 and 20 fewer offensive touchdowns uh, the following season. The Packers scored a touchdown once every 97.3 yards gained. That was the most efficient mark in the modern era. Only one other team uh, in the modern era has been under 100 yards per touchdown. It was the 2007 Patriots. So they were in rarefied air in terms of how much efficiency they had last season. Aaron Rodgers set career highs in complete rate, touchdowns, touchdown rate, 9.1% touchdown rate for Aaron Rodgers. So even if the Packers remain a really strong offense, there is going to be some regression here with this offense. There's going to be recoil just because they were so absurdly efficient last year. And you look at Rodgers, uh, you know, you look at, we, we were just joking a little bit about some of his red zone production, you know, last year. Uh, he led the league with 35 red zone passing touchdowns. He had just 16 or fewer red zone passing touchdowns in each of the previous three seasons. He had a 43% touchdown rate in red zone. It was by far his career high. His previous career high was 36%. Uh, inside the 10-yard line, he threw just eight incompletions. He was 36 of 44 passing, 29 touchdowns, zero interceptions inside the 10. He threw eight touchdowns on the one-yard line. No other quarterback in the NFL this season threw more than four. Uh, so there, there, there's some easy regression here, but when you look at this Packers – uh, how it plays out for the pieces uh, for the Packers. Uh, I still think that there was definitely value to be had on Devontae Adams when he was falling basically into the mid-second round uh, in these fantasy drafts while Aaron Rodgers' status was in limbo. And really, you kind of hit on There was really only two outcomes once we got past a certain threshold in the summer. He was either going to retire or come back. That was really it. That was really the only two options that were going to be in play. They weren't going to – them pulling off a trade, uh, knocking on the door of August was – probably going to be in the, 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 the lowest range of outcomes. Uh, so Adam's probably one of those guys that shouldn't have really dipped to where he did in Aaron Jones, which we'll touch on in a second. He's a guy that definitely should not have fallen back into the area where he did, but Devontae Adams, you know, he just p- playing off that efficiency with Rogers, uh, you know, just turned in the most PPR points per game in a season since Jerry Rice in 1995, the most since Randy Moss and standard leagues since 2007, when he was on that bonkers Patriots team. Uh, but in terms of just like dominating targets and where he wins, like there's just no contest between Devontae Adams and his peers uh, in terms of target share. He, there's still relatively no competition on this team for targets. Uh, they add Randall Cobb, uh, you know, you 
you know, a 31 year old slot man uh, who, who will get some targets. And I think it, it gives him a little bit more juice than playing with the Texans fantasy juice. Uh, but Devonte Adams is still going to just walk into, you know, pushing a 28 to 30% target share. And he's literally the premier touchdown score at his position. Um, and, you know, you had, the, you had the Twitter thread of all his touchdowns. They just utilize him so much in the red zone uh, that there's no reason to, I think, that, you know, that, that, that you would really have another guy over top of him uh, at the wide receiver position. Aaron Jones fell even further because everyone was really worried about this offense if Jordan Love had to start. Aaron Jones was dipping to, like, the 2-3 turn. I was in a number of these best ball drafts and early FFPC drafts where the Christian McCaffrey drafter was getting Aaron Jones at the 2-3 turn. And uh, that's going to be a problem when these, when these play out. <laughs> I mean, you look at, you know, Aaron Jones and just how efficient he's been over the start of his career. He's averaged over five yards per touch each of his first four seasons. Uh, And now we remove Jamal Williams from the equation, uh, who has basically been the two and four minute back in this offense the past two seasons. He's going to accrue that role now. Uh, If you look at his routes uh, per team drop back in games that Jamal Williams didn't play, it goes from 50% up to 62%. A.J. Dillon's not going to take that role. A.J. Dillon may take some goal line carries. Uh, with his extended role into the season. But you have to remember that the Green Bay Packers now, they lost Corey Lindsley, who was the number one uh, center in in win block rate per ESPN. And David Bakhtiari is going to be on basically the pup probably to start the season because he he tore his ACL in December at the end of last season. He's on the pup right now uh, in camp. Uh, That's going to be more of a problem for A.J. Dillon than it is Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones is going to be in that pass catching role too to kind of help him. So uh, I look at Aaron Jones, he's basically going to move right back into like the mid to late first round and everyone that really got in on that squeeze where he was going at the end of the second round. Uh, I believe you took him in the SFB, the Scott Fishbowl, uh, you know, uh, in that spot too. Uh, Those people are going to get a really big boon on value. Yeah, I got him uh, end of the second round. In the, in the Scott Fishbowl, um, but uh, don't go off of anything uh, I'm doing for uh, if you want <laughs> <laughs> if you want good fantasy advice. Uh, I am not the person on this podcast to be listening to. Um, but yeah, so kind of like you said, this uh, I'm really interested in in what the passing offense uh, continues to look like. I think one of the things before we uh, started recording this morning is uh, when Brian Gutenkunst uh, was talking to Packers media, um, and this is after Rodgers and now after the Randall Cobb trade, um, he said that he believes you know, Randall Cobb is still a good player, uh, but he would not be on the roster if uh, that's not something Aaron Rodgers had asked for. Um, so, so that is one way to kind of say he doesn't really believe Randall Cobb is a very good player and is kind of backing away uh, any responsibility for Randall Cobb uh, being on the team. Uh, but when, Yeah, and you it know, stunts his draft pick. I mean, you take, a, you take Amari Rodgers basically to, to play that role, and now he's not really – Randall Cobb's going to slot in to be the starting slot receiver, and, you know, your, your third-round pick has now got to play a year behind. Yeah, well, so so that's interesting because I think the Cobb could be more of the the actual slot receiver when he's on the field. I already expected Amari Rogers to kind of be was somewhat get some of those receiver snaps, but play that sort of Tyler Irvin role because they don't. And I, I wrote about this. Um, I don't know at some point during this offseason, everything's blending together. But I wrote about the the, the Jet guys um, in all, like all of these kind of Shanahanian type. Um, offenses and how 
a lot of the receivers drafted in the second and third round really had the focus on these guys that can run these jet motions and, and be that jet guy, not necessarily have to be, you know, the slot guy or the outside guy. And like, they have that as the, you know, in their repertoire of being able to do that. But so many of these guys are going to be put in motion. And I think Amari Rogers was already going to be really in that role. So I'm not sure how much Randall Cobb completely it takes away from him. I'm not sure how much Amari Rogers is really going to get on the field, uh, you know, to begin with. But I think he still has a very specific role that he'll be able to see the field um, on. And it's, you know, a role that is completely vacated because Tyler Irvin uh, isn't on the Packers roster anymore. So, I think we'll we'll see that, and but you know to go back to Devontae Adams, like even with you know Randall Cobb, even with Amari Rogers, uh, with the other guys on the roster, like and you know say regression, you know Robert Tanya probably going to see uh, a lot of that too. So those are a, a lot of touchdowns. Uh, we might see fewer touchdowns, but also we might see you know more touchdowns up for grabs uh, because you know Tanya isn't going to score as many as he is. And I'm looking at uh, a article you wrote this. Uh, last week, um, when you were talking about how for fantasy, no, not all tar- not all targets are created equal. Um, and when you look at you know what you're looking for, if you're looking at uh, you know a wide receiver, you know points, guys who are are getting targets in the red zone, getting targets near uh, the end zone, and you know Devonte Adams is just it's it's cr- crazy of looking at what what he does, what he was able to do. And, you know, like you talked about it, how, you know, Rogers only threw eight incompletions. And so much of that was from some of this, you know, this RPO game uh, that they had. And that, that really worked in 2019. I, so I I wrote about this in 2019. uh, They ran about the same number of RPOs in 2019 and 2020. And the, they rely a lot on the screen game out of RPOs. A lot of teams are going to slant now and pushing the ball down the field on RPOs, but the Packers are a team that still rely a lot on those screens. Um, and those were just completely broken in, in 2019. They had negative EPA uh, on our RPO screens, but they were still relying on them heavily as a big part of the offense. And that completely changed uh, last year. They were able to get a lot better blocking. They were using it more toward uh, the red zone. Like you said, on the, I shared the, you know, a bunch of Devonte Adams touchdowns when uh, near uh, inside the 10. And a lot of them are on these RPO screens. I think they scored like five touchdowns uh, on that alone uh, last year. So I think that's something to look forward to. There are still some very easy, um, you know, touchdowns to be had, even if there are fewer touchdowns, but the way they, you know, go about that uh, in the red zone where they are still pass heavy and they have those type of plays that they feel really comfortable with. I think the, the scoring upside with, you know, Devontae Adams is still really high up there. Yeah. So we got to keep the, we'll get a little light sound for the Mario Rogers then we'll, we'll hold on to some, some love here. And maybe not necessarily, you know, redraft, but if you're, you're worrying <laughs> about your dynasty uh, shares, uh, you can, you can still hold on. So I, for like an, an overall fantasy type of um, outlook, when we're looking at, we do have Devontae Adams at wide receiver one. Uh, I know you have him right now ranked uh, sixth overall. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is behind all running backs of Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, 
Derek Henry. I'm not trying to give away too many of your rankings because <laughs> you just said you can. Um, but is that where you will feel comfortable taking uh, Devontae Adams if you are sitting there in the draft? The top five running backs uh, are gone. If you're kind of where I know you're going to be writing about draft strategy, you know, a little later in, in a couple of weeks as we get that up on the site. But if you were drafting, you know, early now, is that where you are comfortable uh, taking uh, Devontae Adams and uh, pivoting from maybe those running backs and you, you see some value there? Yeah, I think and these, that's, that's in the full PPR format. So, I mean, that's kind of the firewall, like the last guy you feel safety. And I wouldn't even mind if anyone had him over, uh, you know, a guy like Derrick Henry in full PPR who just came off of a 2,000-yard season and still could it be uh, could be the RB1. You know, basically that's just the, the way Derrick Henry is, is for fantasy football, the way fantasy football scored. It just really limits him in those full PPR, you know, uh, you know, formats, although he's still capable of really big spike weeks, which we love. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't have a problem if anyone had him there. I mean, cause once you get past there, you have to start selling yourselves on the other running backs. Uh, maybe not Aaron Jones, but uh, definitely Saquon. Like we have to say, you know, is Saquon, what are we going to get the first month out of him? Uh, I still believe with replacement value, Saquon is a first round fantasy pick, but he does come with some risk uh, that some of the other backs don't come with. Then you're getting, you know, you're into the Joe Mixon zone, you know, I really like Austin Eckler, but you know, will he get goal line carry? So like there's something you have to tell yourself about these other running backs after that top tier. Whereas then I'm going to look at these wide receivers and just look at how many points they provide. And I have an article uh, up on this really this week too about the replacement value of different positions and the scores uh, at those positions and just highlight how much better wide receivers uh, are than running backs in terms of stability and scoring more points to running backs once you clear basically the RB4, the average RB4. So that's basically where that firewall is and where I have those rankings set that you would want to start considering those wide receivers and in a full PPR format. Uh, Devonta Adams is just going to get a lot more targets than Tyree Kill. I wouldn't have any problem that if anyone wants to to to, to go after Tyree Kill, but just Devonta Adams is going to accrue so many more targets, uh, and, and his target share is going to be so much higher that I do give him the edge over Tyreek. And then the other guy you'll have in that that same area is people will want to go after Travis Kelsey and the the positional leverage that he provides, which has been sensational. Uh, but you know, you look at it last year. For Kelsey to duplicate his positional leverage uh, is going to be really hard. He was basically he he outscored the tight end three by the highest percentage of points in thirty years of fantasy football. It was basically him, Darren Waller, and then just dust. Logan Thomas was the PPR tight end three last year, uh, which says a lot about the position. No knock on Logan Thomas, but it says a lot about the position. You know, we had Kittle get hurt. You know, Zacherts bombed. Uh, who was basically you know a, a fourth round pick. Uh, Mark Andrews got caught in the the vortex of uh, Baltimore scoring regression. Um, I expect that the position at the top to be a little better this year uh, than it was last year. So no problems with Kelsey. I mean, he's led the position in scoring five years in a row. You know what you're getting outside of injury. I don't really see a way Kelsey bombs, Uh, but I do think the positional leverage that he'll provide this year just won't match what it was last year because the position was just at an all time low outside of the the top two tight ends. And honestly, Waller, it took Waller uh, the final five weeks of the season. He went nuclear the final five weeks. He was just all right. Like he was just okay. Like up until that point, he was a good tight end asset and then just went bonkers uh, to kind of combat, you know, Kelsey a little bit, but he still only produced 89% of the points Travis Kelsey scored. Um, I have this up in an article earlier in the off season in tight end history, specifically about top tight end performances. And typically the tight end two on average scores about 95% of the points, even Travis Kelsey, his years last year, 
Um, it was it was 89% the tight end two the prior years, 95.2%, 97.4%, 93.7%. So I think that there will be a tighter gap uh, in the, t- the top tight ends to Kelsey this year. Last year was the auto smash Kelsey season. Everything worked out. We talked about it at nauseum during the season, the way teams approached defending the Kansas City Chiefs really elevated an already great player. You already have his great asset in Travis Kelsey. And when teams are just playing too high, like he's just he just was killing in the middle of the field. If you look at his game log, basically his last 10 to 11 games, he had seven catches or more in like every game, uh, just absolutely slaughtering. He's still going to be uh, a top asset. I just expect the, like I said, just keep repeating myself that the, the tight end position, I think at the top will be better than it was last year with Kittle coming back. Uh, I think TJ Hawkinson's going to get a lot of targets in Detroit. Kyle Pitts, what will we get from him uh, his first year? Uh, so I think that there will be a little more solid depth and not just the complete drop off that we had last year after Darren Waller. But yeah, I think that when you're in full PPR formats and you have to start multiple wide receivers and you have multiple flexes, I believe that that's the firewall where you start to look at pass catchers over running backs as recently after those top five guys. Yeah, how we see some of those new tight ends. And, you know, like you said, I'm really interested to see, you know, from a real football perspective and, you know, at least the fantasy of how defenses are going to try to, you know, defend the Chiefs. Because like you said, a lot of them wanted to just sit back too high and the Chiefs were just like, fine. Well, these 15-yard chunks to Travis Kelsey all the time are going to be fun. Like, we we will live with that. Um, and it's, you know, so weird. Not, not a lot of teams, you know, have a Travis Kelsey as like the – the really the the check down option really even though you know he was you know not completely a check down but it was if you're gonna play deep fine we're not gonna throw deep uh we just have the best uh intermediate tight end that is going to kill you uh, over and mm-hmm. over i'm gonna be interested to see you know I'll, I'll be interested to see if you know those two high defenses start to go out a, a little more um you know throughout other defenses in the league if we see some other tight ends benefit from from that type of strategy, even if, you know, they're, they're not the offense of the chiefs and, and teams aren't, you know, don't need to sell out a, a, as much uh, on non chiefs teams. But I think we might see some, you know, uh, tight ends. And I think, you know, we'll look at some, some quarterbacks, which we might talk about uh, in a little bit, you know, if, you know, George Kittle has, you know, when the 49ers can't throw deep, uh, Kittle is the focus, right? So they're, they're not playing, you're not playing too deep to stop the deep pass, uh, against the 49ers when Jimmy Garoppolo is the, uh, is the starting quarterback, but maybe if, you know, Trey Lance is, and you have to find actually worry about some of those passes, uh, that might benefit uh, some guys there. So, uh, one more guy in, in the rankings, uh, I want to talk about, we, we kind of already brought him up, but, uh, Alvin Kamara, because you brought up, um, you know, the, 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 you know, positional leverage and, you know, Kamara, uh, you talked about in this, uh, in this article was, um, was the running back one last year and just completely, you know, even though Devonte Adams was the wide receiver one, Kamara completely, you know, dwarfed him in leverage over, you know, wide receiver one versus wide receiver two to RB one to RB two. Um, so with Kamara, you still have him fourth at running back. We now know Michael Thomas is going to miss, potentially half the season. Um, so uh, what what are your thoughts on Kamara, uh, or whether you think he, you know, not a lot changes because there's only so many passes you can probably throw to a running back to be a, you know, a, a stable offense. Um, They're going to challenge uh, so- it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that is, so uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on uh, Kamara right now as the potential coming off a wide receiver or, or running back one season, but he is someone who, you know, 
probably is going to more than any of these other um, running backs, especially in the passing game, this offense is probably going to run through him for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, Kamara was a guy I was actually kind of like on the fence on for his ADP before this Michael Thomas injury, just because uh, outside of the, the limbo of the transition to a quarterback change, I mean, he was a guy that just like we talked about Aaron Rodgers, even for as good as Alvin Kamara has been to the start of his career, and he's been a phenomenal player, uh, last year was pretty bonkers for even Alvin Kamara standards. I mean, uh, I did the red zone points over expectations article a couple weeks ago, and he exceeded his red zone expected points uh, by 60 fantasy points, by far the most in the league. The next closest player was James Robinson at 39 points. Um, he scored 150 red zone points last year, which is just insane that's how you get to be the 20 touchdowns obviously everyone remembers the christmas gift we got or he had the six touchdowns uh right before christmas day uh that basically won everyone's fantasy leagues early and we didn't have to watch the rest of the week uh but i do expect that there's going to be some touchdown regression for him uh, I, I mean, he still could be a guy that goes from like 20 to like 12 touchdowns though and still be a good, you know, fantasy running back. Uh, he's got, he had 15 touchdowns inside the 10 yard line. If Taysom Hill does start, it does kind of help him because the Saints uh, red zone splits uh, were tremendously skewed once Taysom Hill took over uh, uh, as opposed to when Drew Brees, they were still in, they were 19th in the league in pass rate in the red zone with Drew Brees, but they went all the way to 29th in the league in passing rate when Taysom Hill took over. So if Taysom Hill's to win that job, they're going to be a run heavy again in that area of the field. Uh, and then when you talk about his splits without Michael Thomas, I mean, this team did nothing to upgrade the wide receiver position this season, even knowing that Michael Thomas went into this offseason with that ankle injury. And in games that Michael Thomas didn't play last year, uh, Alvin Kamara averaged 8.6 targets per game. When Michael Thomas played, it was 5.4. So you're getting three extra targets per game. Uh, he averaged 70 receiving yards per game as opposed to 27 per game. Uh, you talk about the, the depth chart here of Marcus Callaway, an undrafted free agent from last year, who showed some stuff last year. I'm, in, I'm intrigued by him. We've got Traquan Smith in the final year of his rookie deal. Never really has come together for him. Uh, we've got Adam Troutman, a year two tight end uh, out of Dayton. There's not a lot of pass catchers here that are reliable. And the one reliable guy that we know that they do have is Alvin Kamara. So in these full PPR formats, I mean, I, I think he's just going to be peppered and be the easily be the slam dunk guy to lead all running backs and targets, uh, even with Christian McCaffrey returning this year because we don't know when Michael Thomas is coming back, like you kind of alluded to. So that kind of does salvage him a little bit. It gives it – not salvage because he's still going to be a first-round pick, but uh, it, it gives him a lot more upside than I think I would have been more – where I was a little more hesitation on the regression and where that falls in this offense. Um interesting saints thing like uh with all this going on so when michael thomas got hurt basically like all of twitter went to rush and say this means Taysom hill is going to start i'm still not completely sold on that i don't know where you are get your thoughts on that and my my reasoning for that is because the Taysom hill quarterback experience is fine when you need to like bridge a gap like last year they knew drew Brees was going to return in a month so you have to try to win four games and you can try to win four games with the style of quarterback Taysom Hill is where you just try not to make mistakes uh, you play cautious football uh, you can make one reads but when you have to do that over the course of 17 games I'm not sure that's sustainable football that Sean Payton wants to get involved in I don't believe a one read quarterback especially without now an alpha wide receiver on the field if for 17 games is that alluring you know um, so I'm curious to get your take on next everyone basically ran to Twitter to say that now Michael Thomas is out it means Taysom's gonna start yeah I mean I so I think there's there's this thing that I think that a lot of you know these some of these great head coaches who you know have been around for a while they kind of like all secretly 
like want to see what they could do with like the shittiest quarterback possible. Like I, I feel like they just like have this, no, I, this idea of themselves of like, how well can I scheme an offense around <laughs> the worst possible quarterback I could scheme uh, an offense around. And it, it kind of felt like that's what Sean Payton wanted to do during the, the Taysom Hill time last year when like easily Jameis Winston just could have been starter and, and not much would have had to change uh, in the offense, at least, you know, schematically and probably, you know, a, a lot would have changed production wise um, because even at his, you know, most Jameis Winston uh, when he was, you know, leading the league in or uh, among the league leaders in EPA, just because of so many touchdowns, still all those turnovers that completely changes uh, an offense, even though there's so much of the high, so much of the low completely changes it and puts a lot of stress on a defense. Uh, I'm not sure they, you know, completely, want to do that or that would have helped new orleans as much last year but you know i don't know when you when you look at what i think Taysom hill brings enough that you could probably talk yourself into if you're sean payton i can build around it and like when you look at an offense that could be you know a Taysom hill alvin Kamara, and like not having the wide receivers that sounds like the most college option offense uh possible and like if you're looking for a way to change it up instead of just being bad and maybe be different uh, i think that could be a way you know sean payton is is thinking uh, about this um so when you add like a deontay harris into there like a guy who can be you know the the jet guy in that offense um so i, I think there's you know some interesting ways there because i think if, if it, james was an obviously is you know probably the better quarterback and if you're looking at what you would be looking at there. Um, but when you have, you know, Jameis Winston throwing to, you know, Traquan Smith and Adam Troutman, is that giving you really that much? Um, there's probably going to be some regression on, on that defense um, this year also. So I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like Taysom might just have enough of that wild card that he could potentially go in there. So I, I don't think there's, there's a favorite either way. I don't think the Michael Thomas injury does really anything to change whatever that competition was going to be. I think that was still going to be whatever the competition was one, one way or the other. I don't think that's going to sway, especially Sean Payton. Um, and you know, I have talk, also talking about uh, some press conferences that got out of hand. Sean Payton was not happy with uh, Michael Thomas when he talked about oh, yeah. uh, that when it's opening. Uh, so he wanted that, uh, that surgery to happen a lot earlier than it did. Um, so We'll see how, how that falls out. And I think, you know, we, we talked about Michael Thomas a lot. The one thing that makes him, you know, so good at, at being what he is, is, is how well he was able to have consistent production uh, on, on those slants. It wasn't just that he can only run slants. It's that he was, like, successful on those slants, like, 80% of the time. And no other receiver could mm -hmm. have had that type of volume and been that successful. So Michael Thomas can, you know, still win down the field. Um, so when he was in that offense, I, I don't think, you know, you would have had to put a quarterback in, you know, the Drew Brees offense. I think the offense would have looked different regardless because Michael Thomas can win down the field. It just happened that, you know, where Drew Brees is super accurate is where Michael Thomas can be, could be more productive than really any other wide receiver at that specific role. Um, but when you, you know, I, I think there's, you know, potential for, you know, Alvin Kamara here. He, he's not, you know, the typical running back who's catching all these passes behind the line of scrimmage. 50 of his targets uh, last year and 470 yards uh, came 
beyond the line of scrimmage. So that's not usually uh, what a lot of running backs uh, are doing. That 470 was more than 100 yards uh, over J.D. McKissick, who was second at 367. Um, and J.D. McKissick would just, you know, catching checkdowns all the time. Kamara is running a little more of a route tree. So I think there is still a potential of an offense there. So I, I've talked a whole bunch and haven't really answered the question, which is just, you know, who knows? I, I, I don't think the, the Michael did. Thomas thing, I did. Yeah, you, you, I, I mean, you just back then said it doesn't have to do with Michael Thomas at all. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so to, to answer your question, I don't think, uh, I'm just kind of, I've been visualizing what that New Orleans offense could potentially look like. But I, right, like, right, like you said, I, I don't think the Michael Thomas injury has anything to do with who was going to win that quarterback uh, competition or how uh, Sean Payton is, is going to envision this offense now going forward. Are you, are you in on the Saints still being a, a contender or just kind of, or were you already out still? Um, so it's interesting. There, there are like a lot of things. I think the Michael Thomas injury definitely hurts, right? Because he is uh, that guy who can be, you know, that, uh, like we kind of said about Travis Kelsey, he can be that check down option kind of, but like the number one target check down where it's a very safe throw, um, but it's also very productive. And like you said, that's what makes Michael Thomas that as good as he is. And that's what kept that offense uh, rolling a lot. But I, um, yeah, for the last two years when breeze has missed up basically a month each season, they just leaned on playing conservative pepper Michael Thomas with, with targets football. And then you, I mean, you look at like their, their, their possessions per drive and their scoring rate per drive. They went eight and one in those games the last two years, but they, they, they changed their offense significantly, which a lot of people don't think because they just think Drew Brees was only throwing those routes to begin with, but they actually went hyper conservative and they're able to do that because of Michael Thomas winning on those routes just so, so heavily. Now they're going to be without both guys for the first time. Now they don't have Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, yeah, that, I think that's a big thing. And I think you're going to have to ask a lot of the, this defense now, um, which I think when I was looking at you know, Football Outsiders projections, they still have you know a, a pretty healthy projection for uh, the New Orleans defense. So uh, I think if you're thinking about that, that's probably going to be you know uh, what they're going to have to lean on because it, this probably isn't going to be an above average offense for like the first time in in a while. Just so many times in. New Orleans, it was this really great offense that was dragging uh, a terrible defense usually. And that's why we saw a lot of seven and nine seasons, even when Drew Brees was at his peak. Um, I think it might have to be the other way now. So maybe if, uh, and I think that kind of, that brings up why I think, you know, the Taysom Hill thing might be what they lean to is there's just, there's, there's another option there, right? If you were and it's kind of, you know, what we've been talking about uh, a lot with the you know, quarterbacks and, and offenses uh, over uh, across the league. If, you know, you have a passer, but it's not a great passer and there's no other element that he's adding, um, then, then you're kind of stuck. But if you have Taysom Hill, he doesn't necessarily have to be the best passer um, because there is that, that other option where he does have the running, where it, it can go. And, and sometimes that w- worked out. Uh, last year, sometimes that was uh, a bit of a disaster, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to talk myself into Taysom Hill. Uh, I'm definitely not making that that case where there should be one way or the other. But yeah, I just, I think it's really up in the air of what this New Orleans offense looks like. Um, so I, I think that's going to, you know, one last thing where, you know, um, 
you know, the Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston is uh, a training camp battle we are going to be watching. There's a lot of other, you know, quarterback training camps or training camp battles we're going to be uh, watching at that position. So as we alluded to in the beginning, as we're looking at, especially for, you know, the fantasy and trying to figure out what matters, uh, what, what should we be looking for? Uh, during training camp uh, with these, you know, beat writer tweets while they're, you know, tweeting out play by play. It doesn't necessarily matter if someone's, you know, catching an 80 yard touchdown or something. Uh, right. What should, what should we be looking for uh, when we are trying to, you know, decipher what all of these training, what all of this training camp news means? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I was someone that, you know, worked for Roto World and, and you know, helped contribute to the blurb machine. Uh, but really what you want to look for these next few weeks is, is actual reporting. You know, you want to be able to be able to se- separate the actual reporting element from just opinion based nuggets that you'll get from these reporters, you know, if so-and-so looks great. Uh, I think he's going to have a thousand yard season. They, I mean, they, a lot of these re- the beat reporters don't have a lot of skin in the game and understanding top-down projections and target distribution and stuff like that. That stuff you kind of want to ignore, but the actual reporting of, you know, this guy is the clear RB2 or this guy is the cl- working in the slot more like you, you're looking, that's what you're looking for. The actual reporting nuggets. Um, absolutely. You know, so like yesterday, we had Darrington Evans was clearly running behind Derrick Henry as the RB2 and not Brian Hill, uh, which is, you know, intriguing for if you're, you know, you're looking at those late round dart throws and in and, and situations like that. Uh, are receivers, you know, playing, uh, you know, uh, are, they, are they starting over certain receivers on a depth chart? Uh, those are the things that we're looking for, uh, the actual reporting nuggets. You want to avoid the actual uh, opinion-based, you know, narratives that you get because there's there's plenty of those too, and it's not those guys' fault. That's their that's their job to put that stuff out there, and it's you know like a site like Roto World, NBC Sports Edge. Now, uh, it's their job to to put that stuff out too and report it to the people. So uh, you, you have to arbitrage uh, all those uh, all those uh, nuggets and put them out for everybody. But they're looking for just absolute reporting. Look for things that are absolutely rooted in fact uh, over these next few weeks and not really go crazy on uh, anything else you see. Yeah, I mean, that's getting harder too because I think more teams are cracking down on exactly what can be reported. Um, I know there's a bunch of teams out there that are saying do, do not report who lined up where. Um, so there are some, you know, beat reporters who are trying to get around that. So, you know, look, yeah, look out for that. Um, you know, Look for Deshaun so Watson uh, running in the secondary like yesterday. What a joke! What yeah, a, he, what a... I mean, he, he wasn't even running. I think I think the the report was he was standing with his hands in his pocket while playing scout team safety. I mean that that entire thing is, is just uh, a mess, and um, you know it's it kind of a shame Watson even has to be in camp because he should be on some kind of uh, suspended list. Um, not a shame, you know, for Watson, a shame for just kind of the NFL in general. He, it's a lose-lose situation. We should keep him away for, for a little bit. Yeah, it's a lose-lose situation least. for the Texans and him. I mean, but the new CBA requires that he has to be there or they can't waive the fines and he doesn't want to be fined and lose out on his money. So uh, they have to go through this process. But then we see it like, go through like yesterday – of him taking swing passes and then lining up as scout team safety. I mean, what are we even getting out of this situation right now? Yeah. And the, the NFL could be a little more proactive in uh, just this whole situation could have been avoided with, uh, with an exempt list or, uh, or something of that nature. So um, yeah. So while, while you're looking at, you know, other training camp notes, we just gotta, you know, 
find find what is actually happening. Um, so and so looked great today. It is not necessarily something uh, you want to be banking your fantasy this season on. Um, but so and so being the the number one wide receiver um, and get or someone's getting on the field uh, in eleven personnel as the number three receiver. That that's the kind of stuff uh, you can be you can be looking for. Um, so I think with with that, I mean, you know, like we said at the top, football's back. Um, uh, that's exciting. So uh, we're, we're going to be coming to you again every week. If you're uh, looking at the site, uh, there's so much content. Rich is still putting up so much fantasy content now. Like we said, uh, the fantasy package with the early bird pricing is now available if you want to get all of Rich's content throughout uh, the regular season, which just uh, comes with you know, so much stuff. Um, I'm not sure how you could do a fantasy season with, without uh, getting uh, that type of uh, uh, reading everything Rich produces. It's as someone who gets to uh, edit and read all of it. Uh, it it's yeah, an insane amount. So uh, you can uh, follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. I'd like to thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.